back to another episode of the Belonging Brand Podcast. On today's episode, we will be delving into a research project that took place across Brantford and Brant County, capturing 2S LGBTQ plus experiences of life and community during the COVID-19 pandemic. This project incorporates photo voice, turning community members into research participants. To chat with us and share the story of the project, we have Dr. Christine Wildman, who created the project, as well as three participants, Mabe, Monica, and Jean. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast to hear where these pieces will be living, as well as where you can learn more information. I just want to start off by saying welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm so grateful that you all took the time to be here. It's truly a leap of faith coming into a new space like this and sharing your stories, so I really commend you all for joining me. I'm very excited to hear about the research project itself, as well as your own experiences and stories. I would love for this to feel like some new friends chatting over coffee. I think it makes the most sense to kick this off with some words from Christine. So Christine, could you tell the listeners a little bit about the project and why did you choose this topic for your research? What inspired you? So this project was about 2S LGBTQ plus experiences of community and life during the COVID-19 pandemic. And so why I chose this topic was because I am a local 2S LGBTQ plus person and my own experiences of community locally here have been very, very challenging at times because there's not a specific 2SLGBTQ plus space. There's not a space where people commonly go to meet each other. And so as like a local activist, I've been working for many years to try to address some of the gaps that, we're ex- that we experience here. And in doing so, I've done sort of a few other research projects and over and over again, what comes up for people is that they don't really feel like they have access to community or they don't really feel like they have a sense of belonging. And when we do, like when I've done work with youth, youth always say, we need a space, we need somewhere where we can be together and, you know, just around like-minded people. And so I really wanted to, most of my research has revolved around access to services. And I wanted to sort of move away from that to look at, you know, beyond services, what are people needing and what are they looking for? Or what are they experiencing? And I know myself that there are ways that community is created that aren't really talked about, or there are experiences of community that aren't really talked about in the, in the way that sort of generally people understand them. And so for an example, when I was in school, one of my professors said to me, you know, you can't just do a project about community. What does that even mean? You have community everywhere. Like right now you're in your classroom community. And if you go outside, you're in your university community. Or if you go to church, you're in your church community. And she just went on and on. And I said to her, that might be your experience in the world. But I'm sitting in a space where I'm experiencing homophobia. I go out into the university community and I have been spat at and asked what I am that's not my community, right? So I really wanted to look at, deeply at community. But I also didn't want to do it from my own perspective alone. I think I have lots of value to add in terms of being a longtime Brantford County of Brant citizen as well as an activist here. But I really wanted the voices of people in the community to be at the forefront. So this project was a photo voice project and participants actually became researchers. And so they took photos that represented what community is, what it's not, what it should be, and or how they experience it, as well as what the pandemic has was like for them. So through that, we got 64 photos and descriptions of those photos that all related to community. And so there were five major themes that came out of that. And so the first one was the challenge of cis-heteronormativity, a society not made by or for us. And so within that theme, the participant researchers shared photos 
that provided examples of the ways that they're not really included in society. But even more than that, they had conversations about them because on top of the photos, we got together in online community cafes and got to have conversations about the photos and people's experiences. And so they talked about, you know, assumptions of heterosexuality being and gender being made everywhere. They talked about being excluded from places um, and spaces like churches. And that kind of exclusion was really affecting sense of belonging locally. And then they also talked about challenging the status quo in society, right? Like people were their authentic selves. And that just simply existing challenges the status quo. And, you know, they talked about symbols they used to let other people know that they, they are here. And they talked about having priorities around inclusion and education and trying to make the wider community a safer and more inclusive space. And then they talked about community, which was really about feeling, having feelings of a, a sense of belonging and, and community was experienced in so many different ways for people from whether it was like having a pod, which is one or two people who are your community or having chosen family or having sort of larger communities or experiencing community online through different chat groups um, or social media. And then they talked about life during pandemic times, which was obviously quite tough because marginalized populations are differently impacted by, by things like pandemics. And so, for example, the 2SLGBTQ plus community already experiences a lot of isolation because of society is just not set up in a way that is very accepting of us. So if you sort of put isolation because now we're in lockdown and there's you know, there's all of these barriers to being around other people or pride events are canceled, which is for some people the only time of year they get to be around people like them and feel safe. So during the pandemic, it, it was pretty challenging for all of us, but also what I saw in that was the resiliency of the people who participated in this study, like the different ways, the unique ways they came up with to experience community. And so for example, Stephen B. Andrews, one participant, he created um, on his YouTube channel, a page called Songs for Isolation. And he performed sort of musical theater performances on his YouTube channel and, and sort of created a community online of people around the world who were also in isolation because of the pandemic. And so there's just so many unique ways that people dealt with the pandemic and to be able to create sort of spaces and communities for themselves and to be supportive of the wider community. So another example is a participant researcher, Michael, who did a fundraiser where he shaved his head on Facebook and he raised, I think it was like over $3,000 for two local charities that had to cancel their, their annual fundraisers because of the pandemic. And he got a lot of support for that cause and that helped him feel like he was a part of the larger community. And it's also just the way that, that people in our community, like within the 2SLGBTQ plus community, we really stick together and we really do work at trying to ensure that everybody is, is doing okay and, and is being supported. Thank you so much, Christine, for sharing that. It seems like such an amazing project. I got to see part of it at the library event, which was amazing. I got to see actually a lot of the art pieces, which was super inspiring. I wanted to ask next, I wanted to actually pose the same question to the participants. And that was, what made you want to get involved in this project? And why was it important that you took part? Go ahead, Monica. I've uh, known Christine for a couple of years now, and I am constantly inspired by the work that she does in the community. So having the opportunity to be involved in any project that she's spearheading was definitely something I wanted to take advantage of. In my schooling, I studied photo voice for one of my courses, and it was something that I had used to sort of look into women's health. And it was just something that I found to be, not to overuse the word inspiring, but 
inspiring, very, very interesting way to capture perspectives without having to write a million words down. So that was something that just very, very exciting to take part in. And it was something that after I learned about, I sort of looked around at my environment and saw so many individual things that I could capture as part of the project. You know, I one of the pictures is from my bedroom and I live in Mount Pleasant. So Mount Pleasant has a lot of churches. That's about it. Uh, so when I was younger, I worked as a Sunday school teacher at the church. And one day at one of the yard sales, I was um, sort of peer pressured by this lovely little man to buy his um, wife's old thimble collection. So it's something in my room that sort of sits there that reminds me of this community of, you know, primarily elves from Mount Pleasant that I used to be very connected to. And I was sitting right next to it as my pride flag there that's a little bit of dissonance there but also at the same time a little bit of harmony again just definitely looking around and seeing these things as little snapshots of uh, my experience was something that after hearing about christine's project i just you know sort of felt inspired awesome thank you so much for sharing that anyone else who would like to go next go ahead jean yeah, thank you. And I'll echo uh, Monica's sentiments. I've been watching Christine and met her one or two times and really have been inspired by the work that she does. And really, you know, just anytime Christine puts something out, I have a read. I'm relatively new to Brantford. So I moved to Brantford in 2013 and I haven't spent a lot of time with the 2SLGBTQ community here. I have supported on occasion some things, you know, buying the pride shirt and the and the sign that goes out front of your house, which I absolutely love, and, you know, going to a pride in the park. But I haven't really been too involved. So this project was sent to me and lo and behold, being I was feeling rather isolated like everyone else, I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. And I'm a writer by trade. And so the idea of a photo voice was really intriguing to me. I am a very amateur photographer, but I just thought this is a really great opportunity to look at the community in a different lens because I've done a lot of writing. So I thought that was absolutely amazing. So I took advantage of that. And I really wanted to, to help the research for, for Christine and uh, I was really excited to see all of the other photos and I saw that church one and that one really resonated with me Monica as did uh, so many of the other ones so it, it, it was really interesting to see the different perspectives so that's the reason why I joined and or participated and yeah I was glad to have done it so thank you thank you so much for sharing and then May whenever you're ready go ahead so the two years that were preceding the pandemic, I was living abroad and traveling a lot. And then because of the pandemic, I was forced to move home. And I hadn't really lived at home that much since I was in high school. And I had, was also not really that out. And I was like at home, except for to my immediate family. So like during the time I was like living abroad and everything is when I started like becoming more comfortable with myself and wanted to like, um, find more community and more community here and more queer community as well because I really value being part of the queer community and so when I saw this project I thought it would be interesting to participate in. I also really love art and photography and I don't always take the time to do it unless like I have a project or something to do um, so I was glad that it gave me that time to like for different ideas through photography and yeah I'm just really interested in the arts as a whole as like a way of education and also as a way of healing so I thought that would be like a great thing to participate in and I feel like I was able to learn a lot through the photos I took because I just kind of like came up with ideas on the spot of what I wanted to represent and take from the photos Awesome. Thank you all for sharing. I know Monica touched on what 
she took photos of. Uh, Jean or Mae, did you want to talk about any of the photos that you took or any of the art pieces that you made? It's totally up to you. Yeah, so um, I'll talk about the two that were displayed uh, at the library recently. One of them was, so during the pandemic, I also took the opportunity to try to grow stuff because I'm not a green thumb at all, but I thought, well, this is a great time just to, you know, plant some tomatoes and see what happens. So as I was nurturing those, it occurred, and, you know, thinking about what I should be taking photos of for this project, it occurred to me that how, you know, and I really started to think about how important it is to really nurture the queer and trans community, not only externally, but internally as well, nurturing one another. And, you know, sometimes even our own community has biases, you know, whether it be biases towards the trans community or the bi community. You know, I really, I really want to be an ally to every single one of those alphabets. And so um, I'm really conscientious of ensuring that I'm a true ally in doing that. So I took a photo of my tomato and then I superimposed with Photoshop, not the greatest Photoshop. Anyway, I superimposed a rainbow to, to make the tomato a rainbow tomato. And then I put in like a watering can and the water is actually real. When I was trying to take the picture, I couldn't get everything in. So anyway, so that was that one. The other photo that was displayed was different people wearing pride masks. So masks became a huge thing. And a friend of mine actually started making masks and all of the proceeds went to local charities uh, during the pandemic. So I asked her if she could do some pride ones and she went out and got some materials specifically for me and made a whole bunch of pride ones and I sent them to my friends and they wore them as well. A couple of the people in those photos are actually, you know, cisgender, straight, white people who were, one happens to be, well, he's retired now, but he was a police officer at the time and he would wear that pride flag on duty, even though he's a straight, white, cisgender and I absolutely love him for that. So. And, and his little son, too, also would wear it to school, who, you know, which is so encouraging to me. You know, we've been friends for a long time, but he's such a, a tremendous ally to the community, and he's raised his kids to do the same. So that was just very hopeful. And when I saw the, the whole family wearing their pride, you know, masks, I thought I need to take a picture of this. So, yeah. Can you add something about Jean? Mm -hmm. Um, about the first photo Jean discussed, uh, which was called Nurturing the Rainbow. So I had those, the art, the photo display on, on display at Pride, and someone came up to me and asked me if that photo was for sale, because they thought that it would be an amazing photo to have in classrooms, Ooh. to be able to have conversations with kids about the need for nurturing uh, ourselves and each other, and the rainbow added the element of being able to talk about the importance of being inclusive to 2SLGBTQ plus students. So that's really cool. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I would be happy to give them a copy free of charge. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Thanks. Thank you both for sharing that. That is so exciting. I'm really happy that I got to attend one of the events because I actually got to see all of these in person myself, so now that you're all talking about them, I can still imagine them. And then, Mae, did you want to talk about any of the art pieces that you made? Yeah, so I believe I had three photos that were displayed. The one was, like, of body hair, like leg hair, lip hair, and eyebrows, and of my own body, and also, like, feminine traits within those photos of, like, thick eyelashes and lipstick and high heels because oftentimes like femme bodies are told that they can't be hairy even though body hair is natural so I wanted to like display that and I'm also like very gender queer so I like sharing gender in my appearance as well and showing that like I can have both masculine and feminine and androgynous traits all at the same time and exist that way. The next one that I had displayed was of different stuffed animals 
and a piece of pottery that I had gone and a gift of an angel that was given to me when my grandma died and a couple of just upset animals were ones that my grandma had made, one that I got on my exchange in France and then one that I was given when I was born and I put like a couple queer accessories with them as well of like the pride flag that I got from my first pride that I attended and I just wanted to like represent like the diversity of different people within the queer community through that photo. There's like, yeah, just a bunch of different ways that we all exist, but we come together as a community. And then the last one that I had displayed was probably my favorite picture that I took of the bunch. And it was of um, a birdhouse that's like an old wooden birdhouse that was in my backyard. And then I hung a, a pride flag mask, face mask on it. And there's like great contrast in the colors and everything of it. But I felt like it represented like hanging on the edges of home and the difficulties that can come with that. And I also made over um, 100 face masks during the pandemic and sold them to raise money for the sexual assault center of France. And I raised over $3,000 for them um, through that. That is amazing. Thanks for sharing that. I want to say, like, it's awesome how wildly creative each of you are and each person that participated is. And it's also so interesting, and I can really appreciate how different each piece was. It's really awesome. And I want to know more, like, what was the experience like for all of you being a part of this? Like, what were you feeling during this whole process? So for me, a lot of it was really reflecting on my time in high school. I grew up in the Brant, Brant County area, and then I went to high school in Brantford, and then I moved away for university, and universities, especially within the sort of bachelors of arts communities, have a tendency to be quite queer. So there was a um, really queer community that I could sort of participate in when I went to university, and when then I came home, I'm very lucky to have a very liberal household that I am welcomed into at home. But at the same time, it's nothing really further than that. So when taking my photos, a lot of it was yeah, reflecting on my time as a youth and sort of coming to terms with my identity. Another one of my pictures that I had was a picture of my car parked outside of my parents' home with lots of farmland. And that was a huge aspect of growing up in the rural areas was access to transportation. I didn't really have anywhere to go, but if I did, I couldn't go there without having a lift from one of my parents. That was perfect. Thank you for sharing. Anyone else want to share on that topic? Yeah, I found the experience really very positive. I really loved the when we had the uh, breakout rooms, or the I don't know what you call them. Sorry, Christine. The cafes. Yes, that's it. That's it. Because I just loved seeing the other photos and then, you know, we're all analyzing it and it's so interesting because I just love doing that kind of stuff and it's, uh, you know, I don't get to do that in my everyday life, sit around and analyze a photograph and what it could possibly mean, you know, and what's interesting is that sometimes it means something different for people. So even though the intention of the photographer was may have been something specific, the people viewing it they see it in a whole different way. So that, you know, it was also demonstrative of, of the diversity that exists within our own community. So I really loved that. For me, it was the same. It was reflecting on, uh, you know, I do a lot of work in um, for the trans queer community in my profession, as well as, you know, equity, diversity, inclusion. So it really, I really reflected a whole lot on my profession and the way that we interact with uh, uh, queer and trans people and how we can sort of resolve issues and how we can make that relationship better. Um, just for your information, I work in policing, so it has, you know, in the past and still continues to be a little a little difficult, but my goal has always been to, to make change or inspire change from the inside out. So. It really allowed, the project allowed me to reflect on that as well and, and you know, how the Brantford community may perceive police. 
uh, because I really don't have a lot of, I work for the RCMP, so I don't have a lot of experience with the Brantford Police specifically. So I don't really know what the relationship is here between Brantford Pride and Brantford Police or, or the community. I suspect it's getting a little bit better, but I, I also suspect that there has been some issues, but I don't know firsthand. But anyway, that's in a nutshell is, was my experience. Very, very positive. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Again, I'll remind you all, feel free to ramble. I like the rambling and the extra conversation. The more that you can tell about yourself and your story, I'll take it all. Christine or Maeve, if you want to comment on your experiences too. I agree with Christine that I really enjoyed the cafe, getting to know some other trans folks, because I didn't really know any other trans folks, and also hearing how they perceive my photos, because it was different than how I perceived my photos, which I thought was interesting and cool, and I think that's the nice thing about art, is that it's up to the person who's serving it, or consuming it, to see how they will react in a different way, and I think that's like so powerful and beautiful, like, I'm a poet, and oftentimes like people react so strongly to my poems, and be moved by them, and even cry when that's not really like a reaction that I would necessarily have. So yeah, I'm grateful for that. So a few things, I'm going to ramble for a bit. <laughs> for me, a few things happened that I really didn't anticipate. So when I started this project, a lot of the background research that I did talked about how the 2SLGBTQ plus community doesn't exist outside of capitalism, but I knew that wasn't true in a community like Brantford and Brant County, right? Like, there is no specific space. There are no restaurants geared towards us. There are no bars geared towards us. And not, not just not geared towards us, but there are lots of places that outwardly aren't accepting necessarily of us and we saw that come up a couple of years ago when a, a local photographer refused to work with someone and then a number of local restaurants started posting on social media in support of the people who were homophobic photographers and so what i really i really wanted to understand how community happens outside of capitalism because the research was all saying it's all capitalist and I know that people experience community. And then when the pandemic hit, I was so concerned because then everyone was having to take photos basically in isolation in their own spaces. And I was worried that people would be so greatly impacted by pride being canceled that they wouldn't know what to photograph. And that was my shortcoming because what I ended up with was such an amazing group of people who showed how they were able to pivot and create community for themselves in, in such a difficult time. And that was really, really inspiring for me. And then the other thing that really struck me was part of this project and this type of research is supposed to be community creating in itself. And I was really worried when we moved to an online platform that it wouldn't be possible. And it isn't to some degree, right? Like, I think we would have had much more connection with each other if we all could have gotten to a room and had a lengthy conversation about the photos and community. But having to do things online made it a bit more difficult. And I don't know how you all experienced the online stuff, but for me, what I didn't anticipate was that it was going to be so community creating for myself. At the time, the pandemic just started. I was working from home teaching online. Students aren't very engaging online. Mostly you're just teaching to blank screens. Students weren't coming to office hours. And apart from the, the people who live in my, the four people who live in my house, one of which was a baby, I had no communication with the outside world. Um, and, and especially not with the queer community. And then with this project, I just looked so forward to every engagement I had with any of the participant researchers or um, and especially the community cafes because when you're feeling really isolated how great is it to get to go into a zoom room and talk with other queer and trans people about about community right I just it just was it amazed me how 
community creating it was for me at a time that I didn't even realize how isolated I felt until I started doing the community cafes. So for me, that was just, it's indescribable how amazing it felt, but also how uplifting to look at all the different ways and the great work that folks were doing. Like, Maeve didn't, in the project, Maeve didn't talk about the masks and selling the masks, but I knew that was happening because I was following along on social media. And then, you know, Michael also raising $3,000 for community organizing. It just really showed me the strength of the community, despite living through a very, very difficult time. Thank you for sharing that, Christine. That's lovely. It's so interesting how much what you were doing here parallels with the belonging brand tries to do. It's incredible. Actually, that segues nicely into what I was going to ask next, which is some more community-based questions. So the first question would be, what does community mean to you? Anyone who wants to answer, feel free to unmute yourself and just talk freely. I would say that community has a couple of different things that means to me specifically. One, I think community does really have to do with access, who you are around, who you can be part of a community with. So again, like I said, participating in this project really made me reflect on my youth and what kind of community there was um, around for me when I was a youth. And a lot of that was connected to where my parents could drive me to, uh, who was in my high school, and sort of et cetera, et cetera. But community can also be something that you can forge for yourself. You can look out and you can try to find those who are uh, like-minded and are people that you can um, talk to and bond with over a variety of different things. So I know it's sort of difficult with the online world to say that, you know, community is related to geography because like, you know, who you have access to, but even when it comes to online forums and the people that you connect with um, all around the world, that still has a lot to do with access and who you were able to find how you were able to connect with them, how often you have access to technology. So for me, when I when I think about community, I mean, it is definitely a sense of belonging and a sense of, you know, being where you're supposed to be. But also when I think of community, for me, I have sort of an intersection of different communities. And at times I have sort of been a part of a community and then excluded kind of the other community or so it's like a bento box of my communities you know I have a policing community I have Brantford community I have uh you know my close circle of friends community who are not queer or trans and then I have the trans queer community so and ideally I mean ideally in in my world I like all of those communities to intersect so I kind of try to do that every, in my everyday life, of course. So, you know, whether I'm speaking with a police officer or whether I'm speaking with, you know, my BFF, being able to be my authentic self always, no matter which community I'm sort of interacting with, for me is what a sense of community is. That no matter where I am, I can be my, my authentic self and express myself um, in the way that I feel I need to or want to. So uh, that's just quick thoughts there on community. So I'm just going to read a poem instead that I wrote for community. This was I wrote for my community at Back Brand. Upcoming, coming out, coming back, coming across, upholding, holding out, holding on, holding together, establishing a foundation, creating support, building a home, taking apart, encompassing care, extending empathy, embodying gratitude, exchanging poetry, embracing our hearts with open arms. I come to you, you come to me, to value and be valued, to teach and be taught, to love and be loved, to be there for each other. You come to me, I come to you, with open arms, embracing our reciprocity and synergy, connection and solidarity, interdependence and unity, joined us community. Sowing a seed, sowing a garden, plowing a field, sharing a harvest. Holding hands, holding space, holding on, for life, beholding, coming along, coming through, coming together, becoming. 
that was that was beautiful. Thank you very much for sharing that. I really like that. Thank you, Mabe. That was lovely. I wasn't expecting that. That was amazing. That was so wonderful, Mabe. And I was writing down what community means to me or what community is to me, and Mabe covered pretty much all of it, which I think is quite amazing. <laughs> yeah, and so I just will sort of end with, like, for me, it's about being accepted and cared for and loved as my authentic self, not someone I have to be, and not having my identity be invisible or ignored, but actually accepted. And so, like Jean, I have many different communities, and I'm sort of just at a place in my life where I'm starting to just be myself completely authentically. And if those those who stick around stick around, that's great. And those who don't, see you later, I guess. And I went through that when I came out as well. Like when I came out, I lost most of the people in my life. And some of them, I would say probably a handful of them have come back around, but most of them never have. And at that time, I really felt like coming out was a really bad thing um, because I'd lost all of these people in my life that I really thought were like my people. And for a long time, I didn't really know any other queer people other than my partner. And that's why I got involved in queer organizing, actually, was I went to the first flag raising in Brantford and I looked around and, and there was probably 150 people there like me. And I just was like, this is so amazing. How do we make this happen every day? And so that's really what I've been working towards and sort of leads into what this project has been about. Like, how do we create that connection and that community every day? But also, how do we let other folks know why it's so important? Why is queer and trans community that is specific to our population so important? And it did come up in the research quite a lot. Like people talked about it's important because when we are amongst each other, we can be our authentic selves. We don't have to educate people. And for the most part, we can we can just be and be safely, which is really about belonging. Thank you for sharing. Almost all of you touched on the sense of belonging, which segues nicely into the next question, which was... In what way does access to community impact your sense of belonging? I know, Monica, you touched on that a little bit, but if anyone else wants to share too, go ahead. Yeah, and I go back to the, the showing at the library. We had some conversations there uh, with some people that were there. And one of the big things or one of the big topics that came up was the the one about visibility and representation. So, um, you know, when we're thinking about the Brantford community and we're thinking about, for instance, Brantford Council, who are, what, 98% white cisgender male, I think there's one female. You know, that's a, that's a huge issue. Even, you know, I'm thinking about why is there not an indigenous person represented there? This is a huge indigenous community. Um, and why is there not a trans or, or queer person represented there? Visibility is so vitally important so that we have we feel that sense of belonging, but not only feeling a sense of belonging, but as a uh, representative for youth who will, just by virtue of the fact that you exist on council, will give them a sense of empowerment and ability to be their own authentic self. And, and you know not even and not to mention that you know some of the 2SLGBTQ issues may be raised or, or you know the community may have issues that no one's ever thought of you don't know what you don't know when you're a white cisgender male right so I think that for Brantford specifically that I think that's vital for I would really like to see some change there, and not just for 2SLGBTQ, but Black and Indigenous as well. So that we have a huge Black community here in Brantford, right? So I, I think that that needs to be addressed, and I don't know much about uh, city politics or how to address that, but I think Christine has some ideas, perhaps. <laughs> Can I just add on to Jean's comment? And so, so what you're saying about visibility and 
and representation is so important. And we saw that. We saw that happen in 2019 with the county. So the county of Brant was asked to raise a pride flag for many, many years. The answer was always no. They wouldn't meet with us. They wouldn't give us a reason. They would just say no. And in 2019, the county of Brant elected their first gay mayor and had their first pride flag raising. And then they got a rainbow crosswalk. And then, you know, the, the county pays for swag and pays for events to happen. And so that is a perfect example of representation creating change. And I think, like, even at a community level or an organizational level, like, I feel like I'm always talking to organizations about representation because I don't know about the rest of you, but when I walk into a space, the first thing I do is scan and look for any any symbolism that represents me and if i see a rainbow flag or a poster that has a queer couple on it i don't i don't automatically think that's a safe space but then i know that that space the folks in that space are at least thinking about my population which makes me feel a little bit more comfortable because when you live in a society that's so based on cisgender heterosexism you're you're not represented anywhere. So I think it just is amazing to, to, to see that representation and we need a lot more of that. And, and that is why the, the photos from this project are so important too, because they get to move around and be in spaces that we're typically not represented in. So I think that um, something to add to this is, you know, sort of a, a sense of belonging to yourself and a sense of pride in who you are that comes with finding a community. And it's something that I, um, you know, I've, I've always been fairly outspoken, but over the past couple of years, feeling a little bit safer, you know, in, in the queer identity that I express, I've sort of stopped holding back in a lot of situations. So, you know, my partner's grandfather makes a comment that I disagree with, I'm going to respond to it in the way that I think is um, most appropriate and the best way to educate. I was recently uninvited from a birthday party because it's taking place at my friend's Republican parents' house. And with, you know, some of the political movements that are happening in the States right now, I was asked, you know, when the parents come out and start making comments, like everyone needs to be quiet. And I was like, I don't feel comfortable with that. So the being part of such incredible communities like you know the, the safer spaces organization with the bridge and the wonderful groups that i got to be involved with throughout university um, the fantastic friend groups that have stayed with me over all of this time i have definitely strengthened that sort of sense of belonging within myself and that's helping to sort of forge more communities because i'm no longer allowing myself to be around people that will bring me down what i was thinking about when i heard this question is that like there's still like a far ways that the queer community needs to go when it comes to this, especially when it comes to like including disabled queer and trans uh, and queer folks. Like pride events can be super inaccessible for a lot of people because there's a lot of sensory overload. There's not always ASL interpreting and different things like that. So I think it's hard for a lot of disabled queers to feel like they feel a sense of belonging at different environments like that when there's barriers for them to actually be included. I think Maeve, I think Maeve brings up a very, a very good and interesting point. So anytime we're looking at belonging in community, we have to, we have to look at people's intersections of identity because, you know, everyone is so differently impacted and obviously the more marginalized a person the less access to community they have but it's usually those folks that need community the most and so we, we, we really do have a long way to go in terms of building more inclusive environments and spaces and events for queer and trans folks that experience disabilities that are racialized that are indigenous and so and and jeans jeans nurturing the rainbow photograph with that photograph she did talk about that a little bit so I think yeah that's a, a very important point made thank you Christine and then the final question I have for all of you 
is what would you like to see more of in your community? Well, I think I've, I've already touched on that. Uh, I'm sorry, in my last answer, and that's representation and uh, uh, visibility uh, on city council uh, and other, other you know, high-profile Brantford sort of uh, organizations or what, what not. Perhaps a space, because one of the things that was identified by Christine is that there is no space here in Brantford. What that looks like or what that would mean, I have, I don't know. It's up to the community that would, I suppose, decide that. So, but yeah, perhaps a space and, and representation um, at, le at uh, levels of government. I think following Jean's comment there, uh, what Brantford really needs at this point is political mobilization. Brantford is a very conservative community, and I think that that shows quite a lack of empathy when it comes to the voting population. Whether it be um, people aren't voting or whether they are voting against uh, members of the community's interests, um, it's but when you look back historically on the MPs, the MPPs that have represented the Brantford area, they have voted against the two LGBTQ plus communities on numerous occasions. So I, I think that, yeah, just political mobilization and empathy would be really great to see in the community of Killingness. I was also going to say empathy along with like understanding, kindness, compassion, like just listening to people and hearing their stories and understanding them and trying to work together in collaboration in order to make a stronger community for everyone as well. On top of what everyone else said though, I, I think representation is so very important, but I, I also would like to see change sort of at every level. So I would like to see organizations do better for our communities. I am sort of at the point where I'm sick of doing research that shows the same scenarios coming up over and over again where people's human rights are being violated and nothing happens within that organization to make the change. I would like to see that happen. I would like to see more events for community members. Anytime I talk with community members, that's what they're asking for. They're asking for events where we can meet each other, where they can, even if it's just coffee, um, where they can get to know other community members. And this is especially important for people who are new to Brantford, who come here and then end up sort of, whoa, there's no, like, I can't find queer or trans community anywhere. And so I would like to see more, more events for folks. And ultimately, a space would be amazing because it is literally, in all of my years of doing this work, it comes up over and over and over and over again. Whether that be like a community center or something like that, it would be wonderful to have a space. And right now, we can use other folks' space, but that is like taking heteronormative, cis-heteronormative space and temporarily making it queer. And when we do that, we don't always we can't guarantee that people are safe in those spaces because oftentimes they're happening in buildings where other where their staff and some of those staff may not have training or maybe transphobic or maybe homophobic and so you know also moving sort of events to outside of healthcare settings so oftentimes when groups or events are held they're held in healthcare settings and we are not we are more than healthcare we are more than having to access services like that. And so it feels very industrial and very medicalized to have to have events in spaces like that. So in terms of like belonging and community, that's, yeah, I would like to, I would like to see a space where we can gather. Thank you all for sharing. Genuinely, every single thing that each of you has shared has been a gift, whether it be a story or experience or anything. And I'm genuinely thankful for each thing that all of you have said. And actually, I'll do two more thank yous since I'm on a roll. I want to thank you all for being involved in this project in the first place. Christine, obviously, thank you for creating this and showcasing not only your voice, but a voice for other people. And I want to say thank you all for being on here 
with me and going through this process more thoroughly and also resharing your story and your voice again. It can be really difficult to come on to a podcast and be asked to share what's your story, but you've all have done a beautiful job of it. And I'm really grateful that all of you have been here. Christine, would you like to share where these art pieces are going to be held or where people can get more information if they want to learn more about the project? Yes. Okay, so we are having another library event at the Paris branch of the County of Grant Library on July 20th. I think it's 6 p.m., but they have a registration page on their website, so folks can are welcome to go there and check it out. There'll be snacks as well, and hopefully some of the folks who took photos will be able to be there to, to talk about their photos with anyone who's interested in engaging more. And from there, I've had a number of people reach out to me about ideas they have about having, like, an art installations in different places so I don't want to get too ahead of myself but there there's lots the photos will be around for quite some time a number of organizations also offered to have theme based displays in their offices um, so women's shelters uh, the legal clinic a whole bunch of organizations that we do work with we're like can we have some of the photos and then we could just move them around so they're rotating um, so that's one of the things that we're doing, but we're also putting together digital narrated books. And so the first one is just about finished. I've got someone doing the final edits on it, and then I'm going to send it out to the folks who participated in the research to see what they think. And then hopefully the first book will be released next week. And from there, there'll be four more books, one released each month and so they'll be released on the bridges website and social media and through all community partners they'll also be sent to municipal governments in hopes that if they're not going to show up at an event they will at least read the books so but we'll see what happens awesome that's so exciting i didn't know that congratulations to all of you and one last thank you guys so much for being here i encourage all the listeners to attend these events if you can or reach out to learn more information and yeah thank you again for being here and thank you to our listeners for listening and have a great day